We're going to finish up uh, our uh, Habakkuk sermon series. It ends with Habakkuk singing a song. It ends with, with this revelation that Habakkuk has as he has met our Lord and our God. He has met the creator of all things, and it has changed him dramatically. You might be saying, I've done this church thing. I've done this Christian thing. I've, I've done this Jesus thing. Nothing changed. Then I would just I would wager that maybe you haven't met Jesus genuinely. I'm not here. I can't judge that. I can't, I can't measure that by anything. But if you, have, if you have claimed to have met Jesus and it has not changed you, then maybe you haven't met Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, you meet men like, like Saul of Tarsus. He meets the risen Savior in a vision on the road to Damascus. He's on his path to, to kill Christians. And Jesus stops him. He gets blinded. He meets the risen Savior. He meets Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, his life is completely changed. Now, your life might not be changed in the sense where you evangelize from town to town and start churches and, and write portions of the Bible because the canyon is closed, but, but maybe you go from family member to family member, from workplace to workplace, from marketplace to, to taking your children, and you just share the gospel that way. Meeting Jesus demands a response. My generation, the generation after me, we are notorious for being apathetic, for just not, not standing up for anything, let alone Christ. And when we do stand up, it's for the dumbest things. Like something we see on Facebook or some, some actor or actress or some song or band. We stand up for foolish, temporary things. We don't stand for anything that matters. If you're going to stand for anything, if you are going to face death for anything, it should be Jesus and his word and his church. And so Habakkuk, at the end of the book that is all about his encounter with God, at the end of it all, he sings a song. He sings these words that I don't know that we could sing them. Because if you read all the book, it's only three chapters, not even that long of a book, nothing's changed. We always demand something. If we get this, then we will get this. If we get A, then we'll get B. You give me the stuff, I will be happy. You do the thing, I will rejoice. In this, Habakkuk has questioned God. God, who could have just said, follow me and stop asking questions, instead says, well, here's what's happening now and here's what's going to happen. Things are actually going to get worse, Habakkuk. You know how you thought, you, you asked me why bad things are happening to good people? God says things are going to get worse. You're going to see the Chaldeans come in and take over. They're going to take you captive. I'm going to deal with them for their sin, but I'm going to discipline you yours through this nothing has changed if anything Habakkuk has only heard that things are going to go more downhill church just as a side note our job as Christians is not to save the planet it's not to save the world we aren't to save the government we aren't to save America we aren't to save uh, any other country this world is on a steady downward slope towards obliteration our job is to be the salt of the earth, 
the light in a dark place. As the ship is going down, we are saving people. We are spreading the gospel. There's good news. We don't have to go down with the ship. We can be saved. If the world is choosing to celebrate sin, to live in sin, to, to ordain it as good, then allow them, preach the gospel, let them see the truth of Jesus. If, don't get into moral arguments, political arguments. Those all end. Jesus is who we stand for. If we're going to share anything, let it be Christ. Church, you need to know this. People sitting right next to you right now are hurting and need us. We need each other. We need Jesus through us. We come together and I watch us. We, we all keep our safe distances. We're all, we're all like, you know, most of us shaking hands, maybe even hugging. But we're, we leave here and we don't see each other for the rest of the week. That has to change. I do my best to meet with as many of you as possible throughout the whole week. As much as my time will and my schedule will allow, uh, we get coffee and we hang out at the church and we do different things and we talk about stuff. Um, but it can't just simply be me to you. It must be you amongst you as well. Reach out to one another. Become vulnerable. Share what you know about Jesus, what he's done for you and what he does through you. This is the family of God. This is the church growing. It won't happen if we, at the end of service, I'll go back to our little spaces and just stay here saying, man, I wish there was a community. Man, I wish there was, I wish there was more family at church. But, but that's us. We got we to gotta step out of that and step into that. We can't be afraid to go to God and say, God, I don't, I don't feel it. That's perfectly all right. The Psalms are filled with men who got mad at God. Some of you are afraid to get mad at God. Get mad at God, man. Tell him, I don't like this. This hurts. I don't like it. Take it away. But if you do that, I've got to warn you, you're going to sing a song just like Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk came to God in that manner. He came worshipful, but he came accusing God. Why are bad things happening to good people? Here's what he sings at the end of this book. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no, uh, no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will, take, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, and he makes me tread on high places. Let's pray. Jesus, your word is perfect. These verses are all about you. They tell us that you are the God of our salvation. And I pray, Lord, that we would read these words, be convicted, but be filled with hope as well. That we would seek forgiveness through repentance, but at the same time be lifted up to walk uprightly in your ways. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't own a farm. I have tried to garden. It just does not work. Um, some of you are very successful at it. Praise God. May the Lord bless you and all your crops and all that. But for me, because I have not farmed or gardened successfully, these words kind of, they don't really land. It's not because the word of God is not uh, perfect. It absolutely is. What helped me in these verses is to sort of take it from this perspective and use my own life so for me 
I don't have a fig tree that I'm dependent upon for figs, right? Maybe some of you do. I don't even know if they really grow in this region. That being said, what about the economy? What about the government? What about our elected officials? What about the, the, uh, the things that are supposed to happen to help the flood victims from two years ago that haven't happened yet? What about the bridges that haven't been rebuilt? What about the kids that go to sleep hungry? What about those who go to, ch go to school um, and don't really learn everything through a school year and then just get pushed on to the next grade? What about those people who keep getting laid off? They can't find a steady job. The only jobs they can find are, are, are at places like McDonald's and Burger King. And it's honorable work. It's, it's there to do, but it's not paying all the bills. It's keeping you uh, just slightly above homeless. What about the women and the men, the families that can't have children? What about the folks that are addicted to gambling and pornography and alcohol and drugs and, and they're workaholics and they're thisaholic and thataholic? What about all that? See, I don't, I don't care about my fig tree blossoming. Here's what I do care about. I care about people being saved. But Habakkuk's not, not singing, oh, the fig trees, they're so full. He says, no, they're not blossoming. There's a popular teaching that says, no, you, you have to say what you want. If you want it, you must say it, you must proclaim it. That's not what Habakkuk's doing. He says, the trees aren't blossoming. The fig, there are no figs on the fig tree. Remember when Jesus met, met the fig tree with no figs? He didn't like that, did he? curse the tree the tree died that's for another sermon he doesn't he doesn't say oh the this this tree shall bear much fruit he says no this tree these trees aren't bearing any fruit the produce of the olive will fell i don't have olive trees olives in the middle east they're, they're they they're used for a lot of things there are people dependent on that. We're not dependent on olive trees, but, but what if our job, they start laying off people? What if our business that we started and was successful now begins to dwindle and there aren't customers anymore? What if our job begins to ask us to do things that compromise our faith? You see, we may not have olive trees and fig trees, but we have things in our lives that we are very dependent on. And what Habakkuk says is, it doesn't matter. Those things could all tank immediately. My fig tree isn't growing, so what? My, my olive trees aren't producing olives, so what? My, my stalls, they have no cattle, so what? I have Jesus. I have the God of all creation on my side. And my, my survival and my living is not dependent upon these external things, they are dependent upon Christ. They are dependent upon God himself. Now, now, what motivated Habakkuk to get to this place, to sing this as a song? Can you? This almost sounds like a country song. Can you imagine this being sung? Got no olives and I got no produce, but I love Jesus. This is a bad song. Like, can you imagine? Nobody would sing this song. It's depressing almost. Until you get to the point where he says, but I will rejoice in the Lord. I will look to Jesus. He is who, he is who matters. Nothing matters but what he will do. 
Do you believe, church, today? Do you really believe that if everything was taken from you, that you would be okay? Because if you aren't living in that mindset, you're living a stunted life in Christ. I'm not saying to give up everything. I'm not saying donate all your stuff to the poor. I'm not saying you have to live in poverty. What I'm saying is, should the Lord take away everything, say maybe like Job, should everything be taken away, where would that leave you? Would it hurt? Yes. It it would hurt to have everything taken, right? Family, friends, livelihood, that sort of thing. But would you would you then run and cry and be scattered? Oh, what am I going to do? Because that's what we do. Oh, there's no good presidential candidate. Has there ever been? I mean, it seems like now we're really on board with, with Ronald Reagan. Like We're like, yeah, he was a good president. And maybe he was. But I remember when I was 8 and 10 and, and him actually being president, there was a lot of people against him. And, and time is just kind of, we've forgotten the, the negative and I'll only remember the positive. Do you know that when I was five years old, for the first time I saw Michael Jackson on TV. How many of you had that epiphany? Like, oh, you saw Thriller and Beat It and Billie Jean and you're like, oh, it was like the Beatles for kids who were like five and six and even older people. And, and, and he had fans everywhere and sold like four billion records and and then allegations of, of child uh, molestation came out. And everybody, and, and, and whether they're true or not is not the point. What I'm saying is that the media just obliterated him. And then he died. And what happened when he died? All of a sudden, he's a hero again. All of a sudden, he's to be lifted up. All of a sudden, he's to be celebrated. But wait a minute. Five minutes before his death, it wasn't like that. Now he's died, and now all you remember is those... The Billy Jean and the and you know see I'm seeing the hypocrisy of that. We have to have some perspective. We have to have some vision that extends farther than right in front of us. Habakkuk is looking at his situation, but looking at Christ through his situation. He's saying, I have this, but there's Jesus, I will be okay. I will make it. I will survive. I will go through this valley of the shadow of death, and I will come out stronger, better, bigger in Christ. Church, we have to have some perspective. We have to be able to look beyond our circumstances right now. But you don't understand, Pastor Tony, I don't have any money. I know, but God has said he will take care of you. Well, I don't know if I can trust that. That's the issue. The issue is not whether or not God will take care of you. The issue is whether or not you will trust him. Habakkuk has gotten no promises that everything will be peachy keen and perfect and will not hurt. He's gotten the opposite. He's gotten promises that it will get worse. But here's his song. It's not just words spoken. He sings a song about it. I I may end up divorced, but I have Jesus. That's the equivalent of what he's singing right now. The economy is tanking and my 401k is dissolving, but I have Jesus. I don't know if he's saying that tune, but that's what he's doing. My health isn't getting any better, but I have Jesus. I'm not having kids, but I have Jesus. I'm not getting married, but I have Jesus. It's going to start snowing again, but I have Jesus. Right? See, church... 
we got to get stronger. We're too weak. But, you know, in my weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect. Yeah, I get that. So let's do that then. Let's come to the Lord with our weaknesses. Let's come and say, Lord, I'm weak. I, I, my, I got nothing. And watch him make us stronger. There's a whole community of people who are dependent upon us. It's not that, it's not that your problems are light. From what I've talked about with some of you, your problems are bigger than anything I've ever experienced. It's not about the severity of them. It's whether or not Jesus will see you through them. If he has promised to see you through them, then he will do that. This is where Habakkuk ends up. This is where his mind stops, his spirit and soul stops. I will rejoice in spite of my circumstances. I will keep going. Let me tell you this. Satan will come against you. We know that, right? Are we, we're not so foolish to think that hell and Satan don't exist, right? We, we know this. Hell is real and it's hot and Satan is real and he hates us for loving Christ. He will come after you. But what can he take from you if all you want is Jesus? Nothing. He'll take your trinkets. He'll take your temporary things. Even your health is temporary. Someday we will all die. And the Bible says that's not the end. The Bible says that's just the beginning. That's just where we throw off this old, this old body and we receive the new from the Lord. Man, I look forward to that day. Oh, I look forward to that day. Every time I have to come down my stairs in the middle of the night, my ankles don't work and my knees don't work, and I'm trying to go down without falling down face first, I think, man, new body would be really good right about now. I'm only 35. I can only imagine some of you in your 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, how you, how you probably say that and think that and hope in that even more so. How was Habakkuk comforted? Here's something we're going to miss if we read through Habakkuk too fast. How was he comforted? What changed him? What changed him was the word of God. God spoke to him. We read it. He heard it. It was the word of God that changed him. We at South Bay Chapel, we hold a very high view of the Bible. That means me as a preacher, Ben as a worship pastor, anybody else who comes up on this platform, the Bible is here and we are underneath. We do not stand above it to where we say what it says. We read it and then we try to tell you about it so that you can be changed by it. And the Holy Spirit can change you through it. And you have to understand there's this, there's this synergy between the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Him revealing it to you, you reading it, it all working together. But it's the Word of God that changes us. You cannot be changed without the Holy Spirit and the Word of God working synergistically within you. You receive the Holy Spirit as you believe in Christ. It's a gift that God gives you because of your faith. But I want the Holy Spirit. Then give your life to Jesus. Put your faith in the cross of Christ and what He has done. You want the Holy Spirit? That's how you get it. Yeah, but I want the Holy Spirit like Samson had the Holy Spirit. I read the story of Samson this week. I got to that part in the book of Judges. You ever just have like a minute to read the Bible? No, because you're all sinners. If you have just a minute, read the Bible before you head out the door, before, you know, while you're waiting in the car, do something. It's on your phones. Don't give me none of that. 
So I, I'm waiting for the kids. I'm waiting for Sarah. And I'm like, I'm going to sit down and read the Bible. I literally read like eight lines. You know what story it was? It was the story of Samson eating honey out of a dead lion carcass. And then I just left. And I go, he ate honey out of a dead lion. And we just read that and go, yeah, honey out of a dead lion. I wouldn't stick my hand in a, a, a beehive that was in a tree, and I wouldn't stick my hand in a dead lion carcass. Why would I do both and then eat it? it there's no indication that this was a fresh kill. Samson had killed him, but days had gone by to where a hive had been able to be built inside this lion. And what I'm trying to say here is that the word of God changes you. Sometimes it just hits you in the face, and you're like, my gosh. He ate honey from a lion carcass. What do I do with that? Should I go eat honey from a lion carcass? I don't even, Peter would be all over me if I did something like that. My point is this. You don't get that when the Bible sits on your nightstand or your coffee table or the back of your car or here in the pews. You don't get that when it just stays like that. You don't. You don't read that. The best you get is maybe somebody else is telling, like mine right now. You get that to kind of chew on till later. But but you have the power here in God's word to read that. I have I've offered you no exegesis. I've offered you no exhortation from that story, except for the fact that it, it's a crazy story. The word of God is what God will use with his Holy Spirit to change us. Psalm 119, if you've ever read Psalm 119, it's like 5,000 verses about how great God's law is. It's literally like 170-something verses, but that's a lot of verses. And every one is in this poetic form where, where he says something, but then I got God's word, and then I say something, and I've got the law of God. It's this poetic form where he's reinforcing that the word of God is paramount. The word of God is what he loves and wants and, and aspires to attain. Psalm 119 and 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction that your promises give me life. The promises of God that have been spoken and written down and shared with us and handed down over millennia. Church, the word of God, it's eternal, but it has, it has survived famine and earthquakes and destruction and wars and persecution, and it has not been stopped. Church, if you aren't reading the Bible, if you aren't reading your word, I can only preach to you so much. Uh, this turns into a rah-rah, inspirational Tony Robbins thing if, if you aren't reading your Bible. Me up here doing all this is all for nothing if you're not reading your Bible. But, Pastor Tony, when I, when I read the Bible, I don't, I don't understand it. Keep reading it. You know how many things I didn't understand until I gave it more time? There's some people that, Pastor Tony, I, read, I don't understand the Bible. But I built this in Minecraft. Excuse me, I don't understand Minecraft. And I'm not against the Minecraft. And some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, and that's probably good. I don't, I don't get it. You built something on, on, the, on the game? Yes. I, you, I, I have nothing. No, I know. I know. I'm just saying I don't get it. It's my little Sebastian. I just don't get it. 
inside joke, Pastor Ben. My point is this. Some people say, well, I don't understand this, but I understand how my computer works or how a car... You know what baffles my mind? How a car engine works. I get it, the four-stroke cycle, internal combustion and all that. But there are guys who go up to a car and say, oh, yeah, I hear this. Boom, that's what it is. And then I don't understand the Bible. Are you kidding me? Like, I wish I could understand how that car engine worked and how I could fix it, but I don't. But I bet if I put time into it, I could figure it out. So maybe you would understand the Bible more if you just read it. If you just read a little bit each day. Five minutes. Five minutes. Some of you give hours to your television. Five minutes to the Bible is not that long. Maybe do ten. I don't know. Live crazy. Go eleven. Just, just totally let your hair down. Romans 15 and 4 says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. What Paul is saying is he's preaching in a time where the New Testament is being written. He is preaching from the Old Testament. He's referenced it time and time again in the book of Romans. He says all of that was written for our benefit. The, the benefit doesn't happen if we don't read it. We have access to the Word of God that is unparalleled in time. There are men who have, who have died to preserve this Word for us. Hidden it in caves and clay jars and, and have died for it so that we might have the Word of God, readily accessible. There are people who are spending millions of dollars so that our smartphones have every translation of the Bible. Can you imagine what a man like Charles Spurgeon would do if he had every translation of the Bible in his pocket 24 hours a day? The man preached to mega churches in a day where there was no microphones with just the Bible. And the King James at that. Like, have you ever tried to read the King James Bible? I'm not against it, but man... You need like a translator with all the these and the thous. But we have the, the New Living Translation. I preach out of the English Standard Version. And there's, there's the, the message and this one and that one. And, 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 and we can just we can make sure it happens to read it, to have a language that we understand and that still has integrity that's translating the actual original words of the Bible. But here's the good news. Am I saying, Pastor Tony, you're throwing a bunch of burden on me? Yeah, I guess I am. The Bible says take your burdens to Jesus. Go tell him Pastor Tony gave you a bunch of burdens. But here's, here's how I'm going to give you the good burden, the light burden that Jesus offers you. Your sin is not for you, but God is. Pastor Tony, where's sin come into all of this? Oh, you thought we forgot about your sin. Bible says we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the grace of God. We have all, we have all, the wages of our sin is death. If we have sinned, which we have, then we deserve death, which is just. That means if we sin and God were to punish us for that sin, that would be just because we have earned that wage. Your sin separates you from God. Your sin 
changes your relationship. Your sin, if you are not in Christ, and that's kind of pivotal in this, if you're not in Christ, that sin is like war between you and God. But the good news is that while your sin, whatever that is, whatever flavor or shape or form it comes in, whatever you're being convicted of right in this moment, whatever that is, God is for you. What does that mean? That means that God is so invested in you that he will help you get through whatever that sin is. If your sin is pornography, he will get you through that sin. If your sin is overeating, he will get you through that sin. If your sin is being apathetic, or rebellious, or, or, or being passive when you should be strong. If those are your sins, then God will see you through those because he loves his children. How do you become a child of God? You give your life to Jesus. You aren't inherently a child of God, despite what the world will tell you. We are not all God's children. The Bible says that before we know Christ, we're spiritual orphans. We're dead, really. But then we meet Jesus, and he adopts us. Has anybody here ever adopted a dog? I once adopted a dog because he wasn't excited about me. They just said something about him. Like every other dog was so willing to just be like, oh, sure, I'll love you, take me out of this cage. But this other dog was like, hey, I'll take him. And that's kind of how our relationship was for the time that he was here. Um, but God kind of sees us spiritually dead orphans and comes and takes us and says, here, come. I want to make you my child. I want to make you my son, my daughter. I want to welcome you into my family. Not as, oh, we've got our family and Tony over there. You know, let's pretend he's really part of the family. No, he brings us in as one big family. He brings us in equal with one another. We've all equally sinned, so we all come together equally as children of God. For those who are not of the family, then they're not children. Do, do you guys just go to Walmart and just start claiming children? No. Gosh, no. No, not a Walmart. But seriously, when I'm walking with my kids, these are my children. They came from me and my wife. They, these are my children. I don't go around saying, oh, yeah, those are my children too. Hey, you family of five over there, those three, they're mine. No, that's their family. Now, if I were to find children that needed parents and then adopted them, then they would be part of my family. We are born dead, orphans that are rescued by God and made his children. But unless you are found in Christ, unless you have given your life to him, that's not you. But we want that to be you because God is for you. God is for that. God wants you. God wants to forgive you. God wants you to see your sin as he sees your sin. God wants you to, to know that he loves you in spite of that. What are we seeing? Your love's like a hurricane. Have you ever seen a hurricane? It's a metaphor, but it's big and massive and intense. He loves us so unfathomably, infathomably. I've heard it both ways. Either way, he loves us with a love that we cannot fathom. Romans 8 and 31 says, What then shall we say to the, these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In context, what is Paul talking about there? So we need to know this. If we're going to be scholars of the word, we've got to know what is contextually, what is Paul saying? Because we can't just slap this on anything. Hey, I'm, I'm getting married to somebody of my same sex, but God's for me, not against me. No. 
I'm, you know, I've, I cheat on my wife, but God's for me. No. I beat my kids, but God's for me. No, that's not how this works. You don't take this and slap it as a bumper sticker on whatever you're doing to keep continuing in your sin. What this means is, is that nothing can separate you from God. And what that means is that he loves you and he's going to discipline you to save you from all the junk I just mentioned. I don't feel like it's a sin. Keep talking to Jesus about it. It doesn't matter what I think about it. If I think it's a sin, that doesn't matter. What does Jesus think about it? What does his word say about it? Well, his word says it's not really accepted, but everybody else says it's okay. Really? Are they going to back you up on Judgment Day? Word of God says we'll stand alone and give an account for what we've done and not done. Alone, by ourselves, in front of Jesus. Culture's not going to be there with you. You know, your community is not going to be there with you. I could be wrong, but I don't think the church is going to be there with you, and your spouses aren't going to be there with you. It's going to be you. And if you're found in Christ, great. And if you're not, not going to be a good day for you. Probably the worst day of your life. But if you're found in Christ, it'll be the best day of your life. Psalm 118 and 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, we could reduce these to inspirational messages. I won't have any of that. We know that the world is coming against us. We know that our flesh fights against us. It, we could lock out everybody and we could sit in a dark room for the rest of our lives and we will sin. We will find a way to worship the glimmer of light coming through or something. We will just find a way to sin because the problem starts in here. We could close that all off and block out Satan and then we just have ourselves fighting against us. But the Bible says, and the writers of the Bible say, and the Holy Spirit tells us that that doesn't matter because God is for us. What, what can we do to ourselves to separate us from God? Nothing. And some of you are trying really hard, but he's so much faster and stronger than you. No matter how hard you run away, he's got his hand on your collar, and you're not going anywhere. You're like the cartoon that's running in place, and he's just got your collar and you're not going anywhere and you think you're running really hard and fast and no you're not going anywhere but what if my circumstances are bad does that mean jesus is not for me does that mean he hates me does it mean he's mad at me has he left me no romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of god that is found in christ jesus our lord but what about bad circumstances sometimes we're wayward kids that need to be disciplined Sometimes we make choices that aren't the best for us. Sometimes, and this is a really hard one, and I, I want to tread lightly as I preach this, but sometimes we have people who make, make us a victim because they too are sinners. And they have abused us or hurt us or transgressed against us. And all of those words, they have just taken advantage of us somehow. And I don't believe that's for your discipline. I believe that that's, that's a circumstance of the world we live in, unfortunately. Sort of the same way that um, Abel met his demise from his brother, his own flesh. What One other guy your age on the earth, and he's killing you. Abel didn't sin. Abel wasn't being corrected. But sin is a thing. See how ugly our sin is? See, if we judge Cain there, 
we're becoming hypocrites. God told Cain that sin is crouching at your door. He warned him. It seeks to devour you. Sin is crouching at your door, waiting to take you. And Cain ignored it. You can ignore this today if you'd like, but it will be to your detriment. Church, I want us to get to a place where no matter what happens to us, we're going to praise Jesus. It might be through tears. It might be through cracking voices. It might be through through heavy burdens. But we are going to rejoice in the Lord. And we're going to see him bring us through this. Why? Because he is for us and not against us. If you have everybody else against you, you have Jesus on your side. And that's all you need. Your own wife or husband might be against you. But you have Christ. And he is working for you and not against you. And, and honestly, who else would we want? Honestly, nobody. So church, today's the day for you to give your life to Christ. Right? I did that a long time ago. Let's do it again. And you know what? Let's do it again tomorrow. Let's do it again on Wednesday and next Sunday. Let's just keep giving our life to Christ. I have a bad habit of not letting go. I want to develop a habit of just letting God take over. Let's stand. Ben, if you want to come up now. You might be saying, Pastor Tony, I don't know about this Jesus that you're talking about. Read your word. Read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read about his, his account of his life on earth, the, the, the death that he suffered for us, the things that he taught and said about himself. Let the words of God change you. But don't limit yourself to that. Read the, read the epistles from Paul and John and Peter and the, and, and the letter to the Hebrews. Read the book of Revelation and read the Old Testament. Read Genesis and, gosh, even read Numbers and Leviticus. Read everything as much as you can. Get to know Christ. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Your faith isn't there. Read the word. Give the Holy Spirit opportunity to change you. Why? Because God is for you. What song you got for us, Ben? Perfect. Let's pray and then let's sing a song before we go. Amen? Let's sing a song that echoes what, what Habakkuk has said here to close out this book. Jesus, we praise you. We rejoice in you because you are who you are. Our economy is bad. Our relationships aren't great. We don't know what we're going to do later today, let alone the rest of our lives. We just don't know all of the circumstances working and coming together in our lives. But, Father, we know who you are because of what your word tells us. That you are for us and not against us. That man can do nothing to us because you have us in your hand. Your son echoes that by saying that, Man can, can affect this physical body, but we belong to you. And man can do nothing to the eternal in us. So, Father, because of how good you are, because of what you have done, because of what your word proclaims, we rejoice today. And we will look forward past our circumstances. We will endure them and persevere because we know you are leading us through them.
Sometimes we walk through deep, dark valleys of the shadow of death, Lord, but, but your word tells us you lead us beside still waters and green grass, that your rod and your staff comfort us. You are a good shepherd who loves his sheep and his flock. Continue to show yourself as the God that you've already proclaimed, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.